0: Next on BYUSN, 20th ranked BYU basketball is back on the road this weekend looking for a third straight victory. We'll discuss which storylines will have our attention in tomorrow's game at Texas Tech. Plus, we'll break down what to look for in the other Big 12 games ahead of another wild weekend
1: in the toughest conference in the country. We'll also get to know BYU tight end coach Kevin Gilbride. Why was BYU the right move for him? and what he will expect from his tight end group this season. And the latest Deep Blue features BYU Basketball's Director of Strength and Conditioning, Michael Davey, and how the words of a prophet inspired him in a way that changed his life.
0: Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Today is Friday, January 19th. My name is Jason Shepard, and this is Oakland A's tour guide, Austin Colley. How we doing? I'm doing good. It's How Friday. are you doing? It Let's is let Friday. Let's let it loose. Let's let it rip. Yeah, and look, uh, look, baseball is getting closer. We got some kind of exciting news here locally about uh, about maybe having some baseball a little bit earlier than what we thought.
1: Right. So, so the Oakland A's. Right? They, uh, they've got, you know, some time before they head on down to Vegas. Yeah. Okay? I'm a big Oakland A's fan. See, I was wondering, being in that Sacramento area. Sacramento area. Yeah. Grew up loving the Oakland A's. I've been to a few games. But I think it was about time they kind of found a different home. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wasn't, uh, wasn't the greatest of venues. Okay? So, in the meantime, they're looking for a new home. as kind of a, uh, you know, a place in between the yeah. Vegas move. Yeah. Right. Temporary spot before their stuff is ready in Vegas. No question. They're out here exploring, looking at the B stadium, is this a, uh, is this a dress rehearsal possibly for a, uh, maybe a franchise, maybe the MLB taking a look at, okay, Utah, let's see what you got. Well, look, Salt Lake city
0: is, is near the top when it comes to expansion. I think it's only a matter of time before the state of Utah has a major league baseball team. And if, if Salt Lake and the state of Utah can get the A's in here for, a year or two as they're waiting for their stadium in in Oak or in um, in Vegas. Yeah, I absolutely think that's a dress rehearsal. Hey, I mean, Ryan Smith yesterday, the the owner of the Utah Jazz, big BYU guy, seemed at a yep. lot of the events. Yeah, he was he Saw was that. actually golfing yesterday. Saw I believe that. in Palm Springs with Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major <laughs> right.
1: League Baseball. Right. So that can't hurt either, I right? Mean, I wonder what discussions they were having on hole nine. I know, seriously. Right? I mean, given the success that we've had or at least that Ryan has an overhaul in the Jazz, right? Not that it needed a big overhaul, but, you know, bringing guys in like, you know, the star power, like Dwayne Wade, um, uh, bringing Danny Ainge back, right? I think, uh, you know, I I, I think we have the infrastructure to do it. I think we have a fan base to do it, right? At least in Little League youth sports, man, there is a wave. Baseball has, like, caught fire here in Utah, right? I mean – the, the St. George Little League guys were at the Little League World Series yeah. competing for a spot not too long ago, right? So baseball's caught fire here. I think we'd have a great fan base naturally, right, uh, as we do with the Jazz. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think we got it.
0: Yeah, we got some really good uh, college baseball uh, locally here as well. BYU baseball getting ready to start the season uh, in a little uh, – about a month, really. It's, it's crazy to think because we're getting that close to, uh, to baseball season. In the meantime, however, all rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending.
2: Noah. Three the other way. Noah! Why not? Step back, Trevin Nell. Three, got it! To the rim, drive it, dunk! Got it to go!
1: And Dallin Hall oh, tries oh, for oh, the dunk! Oh, oh. He made it! Dallin Hall!
0: After beginning the season 0 and 2 in Big 12 play, BYU has gotten into a nice groove, winning two conference games in a row. Now the Cougars hit the road for their second consecutive top 25 matchup, this time at number 25, Texas Tech. That game will be tomorrow afternoon. The Red Raiders coming off of a 23-point loss at number five, Houston. So you know they're going to be happy to be home. Austin, what are the storylines that, that you're looking at for tomorrow's game in Lubbock?
1: Well, I, I, I mean, one of them is, is- – how they bounce back, right? Coming back from a home loss, right? They it's another tough road game for BYU. Yeah. Right? Um I think what we've seen, I mean Bill Self has has I I guess uh, conveyed exactly what I think the entire basketball world has been saying for, you know, the last few weeks. Like BYU they're here to compete, yeah. right? And and it's really not what I think everybody expected. Um being a BYU fan, I don't know if that was what I you know, what I expected. I thought maybe we had a better shot at maybe being more competitive in the football arena than we did the basketball arena, just because, you know, the Big Twelve, when you talk about Big Twelve basketball, man, uh, that's that's in a different league. It doesn't right? get different any better class. than Big Twelve basketball. Right. I mean you said Bill Self walking around Media Day had kind of a special aura about him, it's right? It's reverence right? around to Bill Self when he was walking around.
0: Yeah, and, and we'll actually let you hear the comments from from Bill Self a little bit later on in the show. Uh, he was talking about, like you said, the fact that, you know, I'm not sure that we, we expected what we're seeing out of BYU. And he mentioned Cincinnati as well. And, and what a compliment from a guy like Bill Self, who, you know, obviously has won national championships. He's seen a lot of basketball. He's seen a lot of really, really good basketball. Um, yeah, I'm excited about this matchup tomorrow. And honestly, for me, the biggest storyline for me is, is who's going to play and who's not. It, it really boils down to health. And – it, it's, it's a situation where we saw in the game on, on Tuesday when BYU beat Iowa State, you know, you didn't have Trevin Nell. And we know what Trevin Nell has been able to do shooting the basketball. Right. In, in fact, last night on, uh, on the Pope show, um, I got a chance to actually host that. And, uh, and I asked Coach Pope uh, if there was any injury update on, uh, on both Trevin Nell and Foose.
3: Yeah, so Trev had a morning workout today. He hasn't had any contact, but he had a morning shooting workout, and he was pretty good. Um, uh, Let me tell you everything you know know about Trev and Nell. So yesterday he had a light workout. It was his first time on the court yesterday. He had a light workout, and then we do, as a team, we'll do uh, shooting breakout sessions where all the guys go to different hoops in the annex, and they'll shoot. And so Trev was down just taking some spot shots, and I was all the way on the other side of the court just watching him to see how, how his health looked. And um, he missed a shot, and, like, with a terrible limp, kind of took two steps to get the, the ball, and he just happened to look up and catch me look at him, and he stood straight up and was like, I'm good, Coach, I'm good. <laughs> so if it's at all possible, he'll play as soon as he possibly can, but we'll proceed with caution. He's he's in the middle of an incredible season, and and he's going to be great when he gets back healthy.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, that's such a big storyline in this game, and not just this game, but moving forward, the, the availability of Trevenel, his shooting ability and the way – that he stretches a defense, you know, that that's big. And and it really speaks to how impressive the win over Iowa State was, the fact that you didn't have him or Foose. And obviously two different players, Foose is going to be down low and Trev, you know, out on the perimeter. But to me, I think that's probably the, the biggest storyline is is health and who's going to be available.
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, pr- first off, props to, to Coach Pope, right? I mean, it takes a lot to – Have kind of this next man up mentality, at least in football, right? A a lot goes into the preparation of just not your first team but your second team and making sure those guys are ready, right? And it all comes down to culture, right? Uh, Coach Pope obviously has done a great job of making sure that not only are the starting five ready and uh, uh, ready to go and ready to dominate and have that killer mentality, but the entire lineup. Right. Um, and, and, uh, you can see that as, you know, guys like Nell guys, like, uh, 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 hall I- anybody that's gone down throughout the entire, uh, season, right. We, we haven't seen that much of a drop-off. Um, we've seen, you know, similar production. And with that being said, like, All that speaks to is what Coach Pope has done as far as culture, right, in establishing that next man up mentality because it is hard to kind of stay in it if you've been on the bench for, you know, uh, a number of weeks. Uh, Making sure you kind of get, you know, you're going to practice with that mentality that you could be that next guy. Well, and when you talk about next man up, you know, it sounds great. But
0: when you actually see the next man up step up, and we've seen that all season long. Right. I joked with Coach Pope last night mentioning, oh, and I think this is actually the first time that you've been shorthanded all season, you know, because <laughs> they've dealt with it all season right. long. You know, it, one guy or another has missed some time, and so this team has constantly had to adjust. And so when you say next man up, BYU has actually done that, and you've been on teams where – You've had to deal with this, where you may be without one of your significant playmakers, and other guys have to step up. What type of confidence does it give a team in general when you actually see the guys that you're relying on for depth and to and to take that step when they actually come out and do it?
1: Oh, I, I, I mean, you, you, you get this. I don't know. You get you get this confidence of of uh, being unstoppable, yeah. right? That you can't be touched, and and then you also notice that when that does happen. You, it really starts to, um, it, it, the sentiment of the team, right, the, the, the realization that, like, we've got something special here, I think is, is really what kind of comes to the forefront of your mind when something like that happens. Because yeah. when you've got an entire bench that is, you know, when they're called upon, they're performing, you realize, okay, this is a, this is a special group, yeah. right? We're all in. Everybody's all in, two feet. Um, and, and we're all prepared. And, and you do. You kind of get this kind of sort of moxie and this swagger when you hit the floor that, hey, listen, you can throw whatever at us. You can throw the kitchen sink at us. Nothing is going to deter us from getting to what the end goal is, yeah. right? And uh, it, it's, it is special.
0: Well, and look, when you go on the road, especially in this league, you know, the degree of difficulty certainly increases. So, you know, this is going to be – this is a pretty important game, I think. For, for both teams, you know, we, we mentioned what it means for BYU, but in terms of what it means for Texas Tech, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, they're, they're coming off of a loss. They lost at number five, Houston, who had been struggling, and obviously they bounced back and beat Texas Tech. That was the Red Raiders' first loss in league play. They're now 3-1, and one, um, and they scored a season-low 54 points. You were on the road. Now you're coming home. Everybody feels much more confident at home. You would certainly expect them to play significantly better. This is going to be a, a this is going to be a tough matchup. Quite frankly, for both teams, but certainly for BYU who has to travel to Lubbock to play. Right.
1: Do we know? Do we know what the vibe is at the, at the Texas Tech stadium? I, I, I don't. I know that they're expecting a good crowd. We. <laughs> Good I crowd is in what? How many are we looking at?
0: I, I don't well, I don't know the specifics of it, but I know that there's some sort of uh, like tortilla tradition that they like throw tortillas. Okay. okay. So and Coach Pope last night like, wait, do they throw the tortillas <laughs> during the game? I'm like, I'm pretty sure they don't throw them during the game. My guess is it happens before. If anybody has any update on, on the actual tradition, but it should be a great environment. BYU's one two in a row, they're feeling good. You know Texas Tech's gonna feel good coming home. The, the old friendly confines of, of Lubbock, Texas, uh, this one should be a good. And, and BYU's road – look, in, in BYU's three tr- – the true road games, which they've played three, BYU's one and two. All of the other 14 games, they're 13 and one. Yeah. So this is still where BYU has an opportunity to, to take a step forward. They obviously won at UCF, so you got one road win in conference. This is an opportunity to, to get two, and now you can get – you can break. You're two and two in conference. You can get a game above 500 in conference, and if you can do that on the road, that's a big,
1: big deal. And I think I, I think those two, those two in conference wins, right, leading up to that as a team, you're still not sure like what you got, right, right, because of the competition that you are playing. You're relying on the conference play being the main competition, right? And when you get in there, you still aren't sure. And I'm sure Coach Pope was like anticipating those first conference games, and the fact that we came away. With two of them, yeah. right, that gives you a little confidence as a squad. Like, hey, we, we belong, right? A lot of people counting us out. A lot of people thinking, just like Bill Self said, we didn't know what we were going to get with BYU. You always pick 13 right? in the preseason polls. Right, right. And so the fact that you start off hot, right, with two wins, you know, I, I think that's only going to show, uh, you know, that, that's only going to ride into this Texas Tech game.
0: Yeah, BYU and Texas Tech, not, uh, not the only Big 12 game. Uh, that's happening this weekend. Let's uh, check out some other big twelve games going on this weekend in the big twelve roundup and uh, start us off Austin with the uh, the first one uh, in
1: Austin. Yeah, we got ninth ranked Baylor at Texas. Baylor's tied for first in the conference with a three and one record. Texas has lost two straight games and is one and three overall in league. Baylor's won thirteen of the last fifteen meetings between the teams. Jeez. And they're favored by two points according to Ken Pop. Yeah, that'll be a, uh, that'll
0: be a fun win, and obviously they're they're fairly close to each other. so, that's, uh, that will always be a good matchup. All right, UCF at number five, Houston. And look, UCF, what they've done in conference play, they beat number three, um, Kansas. Yep. Then they lose to BYU. Then then they beat Texas. It's sort of, it's a sporadic. Kind, of, kind of back and forth. Now they get another opportunity on the road at the Fertitta Center at number five, Houston, both teams coming off wins this week. They're both two and two in Big 12 play. As we mentioned, UCF won at Texas. Houston beat Texas Tech by 23, as we've talked about. These two teams know each other. Being in the previous conference, they were both in the American, now, meeting up for the first time as Big 12 opponents. Houston has won the last seven meetings between these two. Houston an 18-point favorite, according to Ken Palm.
1: You know what I got from that run now? Mm.
0: Kansas is beatable. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Well, that's what I said. As soon as that
0: happened, as soon as we beat UCF, I said, all right, clearly, BYU is better than Kansas,
1: <laughs> right? That's how that works, isn't it? Yeah, so we got the, yeah, the 24th ranked Iowa State and 19th uh, ranked TCU. Both teams coming off row losses and are 2-2 two and two in the Big 12 games. Iowa State lost to BYU. As we know, go Cougs. And the TCU lost to t- uh, Cincinnati in overtime. Iowa State w- uh, was won three straight meetings, and TCU is one-point favorite, according to Ken Pop. Number 15,
0: Oklahoma, on the road at Cincinnati. Both teams coming off wins this week. They're 2-2 two and two in Big 12 games. Oklahoma beat West Virginia. Cincinnati beat TCU. It took overtime, but the Bearcats get the victory. It's only the third all-time meeting. Cincinnati has won the previous two, and the Bearcats a three-point favorite,
1: according to Ken Palm. The number three Jayhawks at West Virginia. Do we think there's a chance at West Virginia the Mountaineers pull this one off? Uh, no, they are struggling mightily. Okay. Kansas is tied for the first uh, at 3-1 in Big 12 games. West Virginia is 1-3 and three in league, and Kansas won six straight meetings we got to break that record, West Virginia. Let's go. Kansas is an 11-point favorite, according to Ken Palm.
0: And Oklahoma State at K-State. K-State tied for first with a 3-1 and one record in the Big 12 Conference. Oklahoma State, the only team without a Big 12 win. They are 0-4 in league play. They've split the previous 10 meetings with, obviously, if you're splitting 10, that means each team has won five. Math, sometimes it's hard, but I can math. at least Great get math that skills. one. I know. Flexing those math muscles, right? And Kansas State, a nine point favorite, according to Kim Pong. That is your Big 12 roundup. And look, week in and week out, it just, there, there's no gimmies in this league. You can never let down your guard. And that's, that's kind of the fun of this. Oh, that's the excitement. Yeah. You get competition. All right, our question of the day is this What storylines will you be watching in BYU men's basketball's game at Texas Tech? Uh, first response from X, uh, uh, it's Twiggy or Stone. Saying, if BYU can continue the trend we've been seeing for the last two games, uh, they've kept the turnovers low, had more free throws, shooting percentage going up, and have generally looked more aggressive. Yeah, the, the, the turnover situation, that that is so crucial. And, and everybody, every coach talks about it. Every coach wants to keep those turnovers low and not give the opposition an opportunity to maybe run in transition And lead directly to points. BYU has done such a good job all year long for the most part of keeping those turnovers low. Um, And they only had 11 turnovers in the win over Iowa State. So I I agree with Twigger Stone
1: uh, that keeping those turnovers low will be massively important. And and can I point out that they, you know, he says generally looked more aggressive. Mm -hmm. I'm not a basketball expert, right, by any means. But I'll tell you, when I watch the Cougars, there is a sense of urgency yeah. on defense, right? Like, there is a different attitude, like a dog-like you know, mentality that they do have. And, and, and even me, someone who doesn't watch a lot of basketball, can see it, right? Yeah. It is evident. And that changes the entire trajectory of a team. Yeah. All right. Continue to weigh in using hashtag BYUSN on X, Facebook, and on Instagram. All right. Number 20, BYU basketball hits the road tomorrow for a ranked-up matchup against number 25, Texas Tech in Lubbock. BYU is 2-2 two two in Big 12 games, and Texas Tech is 3-1. The coverage begins at 5 Eastern on BYU Radio. Looking right. forward to it. Absolutely. After the break, we're going to get to know BYU football's new tight end
0: coach, Kevin Gilbride. He'll join us here in Studio B. This is BYU Sports Nation. With
1: one hand, he did. Aaron more, the 10-5, the touchdown! Pop for the touchdown! He came down with it! Intercepted by Jacob Robinson. Keaton Slovis sets and fires and has Keanu Hill in the end zone for the touchdown.
0: Welcome back inside Studio B. We are live with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play, Jason Shepherd, alongside Austin Colley. And we're talking some BYU football right now with the brand-new tight ends coach for the Cougars, He's Kevin Gilbride. Kevin, welcome into Studio B. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you for having me. So, look, uh, this is a, a bit of a homecoming for you. It's been a while since you've been here, uh, but uh, you played one season before ultimately traveling or uh, transferring to Hawaii. Uh, what brought you back to Provo?
4: Well, it's <laughs> a loaded question. Not loaded, but there's a lot of answers <laughs> to that question. Um, I would say this let me just start off with. I've always had great respect for BYU. I didn't transfer from BYU because for any other reason other than I thought I was getting beat out at quarterback, and I was. Um, So I went to University of Hawaii after that. But um, getting back to BYU really was a result of my relationship with A-Rod. And for whatever reason, when when I was an 18-year-old true freshman coming into (laughs) Provo, Utah at BYU, he was a redshirt senior had been on a mission, was married, had a dog, it was 25 years old, and we became <laughs> close. And, and uh, you know, I used to go over to their house and, and have some dinner and hang out with them. And we stayed close even when I was in Hawaii and he started his coaching career. And then when I became a coach, um, and just from a relationship standpoint, and then also a, a football standpoint, we'd talk ball. You know, we'd talk technique, we talk scheme. Um, and we've always held each other in high regard in that fashion and that, you know, thought a lot of each other as coaches. And, and at one point, have always tried to try to get the other guy on a staff that we were on together, yeah. knowing that we'd bring value. It just so happens that it's happening right now, and it's happening at BYU to complete the full circle, um, which is pretty special.
1: Coach, we know that, that uh, going from college to the NFL, a little bit different, right, as far as competition, as far as uh, the, the type of coaching that you're going to get in the league compared to co- uh, coaching in the NFL – or, sorry, in, uh, in college. What do you think – the experience that you've garnered, right, because you have had the unique experience of coaching the NFL, what are some of the main points or the main coaching uh, differences, I guess, uh,
4: that you're going to be able to bring to the, to the BYU group? Well, I don't know if it's – to me it's not like there's this great answer. Okay. Meaning like, uh, oh, I've got this knowledge because I coached in the NFL. I don't believe that. Okay. What I believe is football's football and that the development of your young men from a football standpoint and in, in life carries through no matter what level of coaching you're coaching at and what level of football. Um, I think my my experience and the things that I've been through is really what I'm going to be able to bring to the table. More so than the fact that I coached in the NFL, it's, my experiences. It's the defenses that we've attacked. It's um, how do you find matchup problems when you necessarily don't have the most skilled guys in comparison to what the defense has. Those are some of the things that I can bring to the table Um, more from experience than it being NFL to college. Gotcha.
0: How do you feel like what you want out of the tight ends fits in with what A-Rod wants with the overall offensive scheme?
4: Well, he wants them to play well. (laughs) <laughs> and, and to me, that's that's the number one thing. And that's that's really what I'm focused on. Like, I want to develop our guys. And, and the only way to develop them the, the right way, in my opinion, is to put them in very difficult situations and have them fail at it and then they'll come back and then fail again. And they're gonna get discouraged and I'm gonna have their back and I'm gonna make sure that they do it again and do it again until they start to put their body in calloused positions and know that subtle adjustment that they have to make, whether it be creating separation from a defender or um, sustaining a block, whatever the case may be, um, keeping their pad level out how it is. I mean, we could go on and on and on, but in order to get to develop and be a good football player, you have to put yourself into those challenging situations I think that's really what A-Rod wants me to do is to get those guys to play well. And and that's what I'm planning on doing is developing those young men. So piggybacking on that question, you've had an opportunity. You know, you said
1: you've been looking at the, the future recruiting pool, guys coming off of missions. You have looked at or or at least taken a, a glance at the film of the guys that you have in the room, one of them being Keanu Hill, right, which will be a new addition. Yep. Uh I think the fans love Keanu, love his size, love his ability as a receiver. And now taking that ability into the tight end room, what have you seen, uh, one, from watching Keanu uh, that you have uh, and also the other guys in the room? What what are some of the things that you like about what they bring to the table?
4: I don't want to talk specifics because I don't know enough. I haven't watched enough film on each guy yet. Um, but from a from a personality and a mentality standpoint, I think they have the right approach. Especially Keanu, um, having watched some of his film, the way that he blocks on the perimeter, the way he goes and attacks the football. Um, I have not. I can't say that this is where he needs to improve. Here's how we're going to attack things. We're going to put him in those challenging situations that I talked about previously and watch him grow, and then we'll see from there. But I think overall, it's a it's a good unit in the fact that um, that they all care. They're all talented and it's a matter of trying to get the most out of them.
0: Where has the the tight end position changed the most over the last decade or maybe even the last five years? Because it's a position that has evolved in terms of what's expected out of the tight ends.
4: That's exactly what it is, to to a T. Um, You'd love to find, in in the NFL even, like you'd love to find your Rob Gronkowski's around every corner. They don't (laughs) exist. So what you need to do is you need to find a guy with a particular skill set and then develop the other skill set that he's not quite as good at and he doesn't mean he has to be dominant in that other area he just needs to be able to execute it and understand where the challenges are right and if he can do that and hold off long enough say he's cutting off on the backside, you know on yeah. the backside of an inside zone play and hold off and strain enough and then react and finish for the back to scoot through and then stretch the field on a vertical you've got something so he's got to be able to do multiple things in the in the pass game and the run game and if you're more of a dominant blocker you've got to be able to create separation on a stick route catch a contested catch and knife up the field fall forward for five yards or seven yards or whatever the case may be. But uh, my point is you're not going to find the perfect specimen everywhere you look. It doesn't exist. So you need to be able to find guys who have particular skill sets and then develop the side that's not quite as good, that might not be as dominant as some other guys in that area, but he can hold up enough.
1: So we know that you, you, you come from a uh, football family background, right? Football runs thick. In the veins, right? Uh, what, what's your dad up to now?
4: He, uh, sports run thick in the, in the family, okay, by sports. the way. I've got a, a cousin who's a basketball coach in college and my uncle who's a basketball coach in college. Oh, wow. A couple of uh, cousins who are All-American swimmers, so sports in Love general. Love that. But football in my particular um, aspect. But dad is doing uh, research in uh, you know, Pre-game research for uh, the Manning Cast, and so he's been doing this for years. Like since he retired in 2013, excuse me, um, he's been doing uh, background information for the color commentators yeah. and the in uh, the play-by-play guys for whatever the case may be. It could be Sunday Night Football, it could be a regular one o'clock game, you know, for CBS for. ESPN, whatever the case may be. He's been doing that for years, and so Eli knew that. And so as soon as they started their Manning cast, he called him and asked him to do that. Um, one thing that's great for my dad is he feels like now, as he's putting this preparation together, he can just talk ball, and those, he knows those guys get it. Yeah. You know, whereas he doesn't have to over-explain a few things.
0: The, you, you mentioned, obviously, who, who your dad is. I, how often, because you guys obviously have the same name, mm-hmm. how, how often when... Because I know there were some people when BYU announced that Kevin Gilbride was going to be the tight ends coach. There's probably some that immediately thought, "Wait, we we hired Kevin Gilbride." Like, how often does that How often does that happen?
4: Less than I would have thought, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I, I think, uh, like I, we now like always tag an M with right. my name because yeah. our middle names aren't the same, so I'm not a junior. Yeah. So uh, so it's Kevin M. Gilbride. Um, when we actually worked together at the Giants. Um, I didn't go by Kevin at all. Like, Coach Coughlin came into uh, the office before he hired me, and he said, do you have any nicknames? And I said, well, I got a lot of nicknames, Coach. What do you want you know, to call me? And, uh, and he said, well, what's your family call you? And I said, KM. And that stands for Kevin Michael. And my I have a cousin named Kevin Thomas. And my dad's Kevin or Big Kev. Uh, so on my name plates, on everything, and what people called me at the Giants was KM. Yeah. So that's that was the, the distinction that Coach Coughlin wanted to make there. Um, but everywhere I've gone, you just I roll with the punches with that. I mean, it is what it is. I I feel like I've I've stood on my own merit for a while yeah. now.
0: Yeah. Any chance we're going to see uh, Dad at the, any of the uh, the football games coming up?
4: Yeah, I'd I'd like him to. Maybe you can talk to him, talk him into showing up. There we go.
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, we'll see what we'll see what we can do.
4: <laughs> no, he'll show up. Nice. He'll be here. Best best tight end you've coached? Uh, that's a great question because there's so many different aspects, and we touched on that too. Like it's this guy's great in this area, this guy's great in this area. I would say this. The guy who got the most out of his ability would be Rhett Ellison, who I coached at the Giants. Um, the guy who was the most talented, most explosive was Evan Ingram. Um, and then the guy that I'm most proud of would be Will Ty. All three played with the Giants.
2: Okay.
1: That's a That's a, that's a- good little list.
0: That's nice. Well, and it's decisive. You you knew exactly where you're going with that. All right. What, last thing before we wrap it up, we were talking before we started the interview and it's going to be spring ball before we get here. What, what, what do you want to accomplish? What's sort of on the agenda between now and the start of spring ball for you?
4: Continue to get to know the guys. I, I feel like if you truly, you can't really, they can't trust me and they won't feel like I truly have their back until they really know who I am. And that's that's really been the the focus is to truly get to know the guys, not just on the surface, but start to develop the relationship. I know nothing happens immediately like that or, or, you know, that make it easy. And that's not even fun if it's (laughs) that easy. Uh, But that process has started, which is good. And and it will continue because I think on their side, they want to get to know me. And I certainly want to get to know them. And that's only going to help. It's only going to help as far as me understanding how to coach them, how to teach them. And for them to trust me more. Well, Kevin, we uh, appreciate you stopping by.
0: We do want to, and a little explanation. So, people that come on the show, um, we have something we call the BYU Sports Nation Karma, and we bestow it upon all of our guests. <laughs> and good things tend to happen for them. It's real. Thank it, you. It's I a real thing. So, we are giving you the BYU Sports Nation Karma, and we thank you for coming in. We're excited to, to have you on, on the staff. So, thanks for uh, for coming in today.
1: Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm happy great to be here. Great to have you. Great to great to have you back. Uh, Back where, back where it all started. Yeah. Back where, back <laughs> where <it> all started, <laughs> man. Yeah,
4: yeah thank you. Excited
1: to see what happens. All right, coming up next, we got Laura Gustin and BYU women's basketball host Texas Tech tomorrow as they look for their second Big 12 win of the season. Gustin is just four rebounds away from breaking the program record and will get a shot at the record tomorrow. You can watch the game on Big 12 now on ESPN Plus or listen on BYU radio starting at 6 Eastern.
0: Speaking of Laura and Gustin, we'll discuss just how impressive breaking the rebounding record is and which former Cougar has the best shot at making it to the Super Bowl this season. This is BYU Sports Nation.
4: BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow
1: BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. Shep, Austin Collie here. Let's get to today's headlines. Let's do it. Number 20 BYU basketball hits the road tomorrow for a ranked matchup against number 25 Texas Tech in Lubbock. BYU is 2-2 in Big 12 games this season, but has won two straight. Texas Tech is coming off its first Big 12 loss of the season against number 5 Houston. Pre-game coverage for tomorrow's game begins at 5 Eastern on BYU Radio. Lauren
0: Gustin and BYU women's basketball host Texas Tech tomorrow at the Marriott Center. History can be made as Lauren Gustin is just four boards away from becoming the program's all-time leading rebounder. You can watch the game on Big 12 now on ESPN Plus or listen with yours truly on BYU Radio starting at 6 Eastern
1: time. It's a big weekend for the Cougars in the NFL. It's a divisional round of the NFL playoffs and BYU has four Cougars in action. Four, okay, you heard me right. Fred Warner and the number one seed 49ers host Zane Anderson in the seven seed Packers tomorrow. Kyle Van Noy and the one-seed Ravens host the Texans tomorrow, and Andy Reid's Chiefs play at the Bills on Sunday. Number nine, BYU Men's Volleyball plays two road games at number 15 UC
0: Santa Barbara this weekend. That begins tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern time, and you can check it out on
1: ESPN+. And the number 26 BYU Gymnastics heads to Ames, Iowa, to take on the number 28 Iowa State in its first-ever Big 12 matchup tonight. You can watch it at 7.30 Eastern on Big 12 now or on ESPN+. BYU women's tennis will play three matches this
0: weekend at the Arizona Hidden Duel. The Cougars will play Arizona, Missouri,
1: and Michigan State. And BYU softball's Hunter, how do we say that? Hunter Ava. Ava was named the preseason All-Big 12 team yesterday. Forgive me, Hunter. Ava is the reigning WCC Player of the Year and was BYU's lone selection on an all-conference teams. Former BYU women's volleyball players Whitney Bauer and Kamile
0: Hiapo both made the start of season roster for the Atlanta Vibe. Atlanta is one of the seven teams in the newly formed Pro Volleyball Federation with the inaugural season beginning on Wednesday, January 24th. Also, Whitney McEwen-Lernis has signed with the Portuguese professional club, S.L. Benfica. Those are today's headlines. Now it's time to whip it.
1: Cougar whip Around, presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. How impressive of an accomplishment is Lauren Gustin breaking Tina Gunn's rebounding record, which has stood for 44 years? It's massive. 44 years for
0: a, a record, I mean, and Tina Gunn was unbelievable. For that record to last that long, what Lauren has done in its every game, you talk about consistency. She is a double-double machine. She's got 71 career double-doubles in her career. She she needs four rebounds. She should get four rebounds in like the first 2 minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like she's just so steady and and it's I'm so happy for her to have the opportunity to get that
1: record tomorrow. It's very impressive. And I think re- rebounds kind of like a character record. Sure. Right? How much character you got, how much hustle you have. It's so. fight. It's determination, no question. right? No yeah. question. So
0: congrats to Lauren. All right, this is what I love this story. Miami tight end Cam McCormick announced yesterday that he received a waiver for his ninth year
1: of eligibility. Austin, should you apply for a waiver for your last year of eligibility? You know what, I was, I was just telling the wife the other day, I think I got a few routes left in me, right? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I think uh, would love to play with uh, under the direction of Fessy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just got to grab a couple, you know, Don Joy knee braces, scrap them <laughs> up, to sure just to get through a, a single stabilized. practice, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah, man, one more year, why not? Like.
0: I'm so glad when I saw this story, the first thing I thought of was thank goodness it's not at BYU. And maybe, it's, look, it's happening at Miami. So we can end the
1: old jokes, yeah, right? No, we would have gotten hammered for that. Oh, no, There's
0: no question we would have gotten hammered if this happened at BYU, but thank goodness it happened at Miami.
1: Nine years, ninth yeah. year of eligibility. That, Almost a decade. That's long enough to have lived in like the pre-NIL era and now the NIL er, er, yes. uh, era. Right? On yeah. the and NIL, NIL side of things, right? Like yeah. he got to experience both worlds. He gets to tell his team back in the day, yeah. right, when there was no NIL, this is this was this was the struggle that I went through. He gets yeah, he gets to be the back in the day guy. He no gets to question. be that guy. No question. Kansas head basketball coach, Bill Self, was asked about how unpredictable the Big 12 has been this season. We talked about this all segment long, Jason. Let's listen to his response.
2: It's it's a wild, wild league. Uh, I can't get over how competitive it is. I, I, uh, when Cincinnati and BYU came into the league, we knew what we were going to get with Houston. And Houston will deliver on exactly on what we thought they were. I don't know that we really banked on getting what BYU and and, and Cincinnati bring to the table uh, 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 this early in the in, in in the process. And UCF, you know, here we are going to talk. You know, UCF hasn't played consistently at the level of the other three. They're good enough to beat Kansas and Texas. So so uh, it 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 is a wild a wild league. And then you get uh, you know K State had a huge win the other night, and you get. You know, Tech got off to a 3-0 start. It's just, uh, it's going to be crazy the whole year. And what we perceive going into the year as being, okay, we can catch our breath now, has been taken away. There's no breath catching weeks. It's going to be like this for, what is it all, nine weeks.
1: So Jason, let me ask you this. Has the competitiveness of the conference been tougher than you thought? No, it's been exactly what I thought.
0: and I. I had, I knew going in, look, we've we've talked about it forever that it's the best basketball conference. And you knew when you're talking last year that a team with five losses won the conference. Kansas won it last year with five losses. Like in the WCC, you have five losses, you're done. Right. You have two losses, you're done. Right. And in some cases, you have one loss and you're done. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it has not surprised me at all. It is everything I had hoped for, and it is glorious. (laughs) All right. right. Which former Cougar has the best shot at making it to the Super Bowl this season? You mentioned that there's four Cougars that will be playing in the NFL playoffs. You have Fred Warner with the Niners, uh, KVN with the Ravens, Zane Anderson with the Packers, and then uh, Andy Reid and my Chiefs. So, so which for, which former Cougar do you think has the best shot?
1: I'm gonna go with Fred, right? Bell cow the defense. The Niners have looked good all year except against the Ravens. Okay. But I think you know you need you need that one humbling loss to kind of set you back on track, especially when it was it was kind of later on in the season. Um, I, 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 you know, I, I, they're gonna be tough to beat. Niners yeah. are gonna be tough to beat. I think they're gonna ride this thing out as long as Brock Purdy can stay healthy. Uh, I, I think. You know, I think they're going to beat the Ravens, um, even though I think that will be the matchup yeah. that we end up seeing, right? Kyle Noy versus Fred. Yeah, no, I, I
0: think you're right. I think that's the Super Bowl matchup that we see. And I, I'm going to agree with you. I think it's Fred Warner. I mean, for the most part, it, it, you can argue this. because There's a lot of Baltimore fans that will say maybe they're the best team all year. I, I think the 49ers have been the best team and the most consistent really from start to finish. I know they've had a few hiccups here, yeah. but all in all, I think they're the best team. And so I think, I think Fred Warner's the answer.
1: I, I'm, I'm excited. I think we're gonna get the two best teams in football, right? Which, yep. which sometimes doesn't happen in the Super Bowl. No, it doesn't, right? it doesn't always happen. So on this week's Big Stories podcast, Lauren Sal- uh, Salazar was told she could never be an opera singer. Now, she has found purpose through building Texas Tech's uh, Mariachi, Los Matadores, keeping the rich cultural heritage of Mariachi alive. Listen wherever you find your podcasts. Well done on that, by the way. You know, just a little missionary
0: Spanish. Look, look, you never know when it's gonna come into play, right?
1: Up next, we'll learn more about BYU
0: basketball strength and conditioning coach Michael Davey and how the words of a prophet inspired him and changed his life. This is BYU Sports Nation.
4: This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner.
0: Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live from Studio B. Well, the words of a prophet inspired Michael Davey to complete his degree. That inspiration and degree has taken him to the Olympics, a world championship, and now right here to BYU. It's also allowed him to see miracles in his own life. This is Deep
5: Blue. Born in New Zealand and my family immigrated when I was about 12 to Australia and didn't do too well at high school to be the playing basketball and chasing girls around. So going into junior college, got my degree there and that's where I met my wife.
6: He just had that presence of the spirit with him because he was just sincere and whenever he talked about anything and he didn't use any profanity at all and so I kind of felt that drew you to him.
5: We got married pretty early, started to have children and during that period I was really struggling to find work, you know, I was working in factories and labour jobs and my dad had a car cleaning business, so I was working for him and I really uh, got to a point where I was wondering if this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life and I knew like, that's not what I wanted. I wanted to achieve more and accomplish more. And, and I remember going to a General Conference with this in the back of my mind, like what am I gonna do with my life? You know, what, how am I going to support my family?
4: Brethren, you look like a shirt sleeve priesthood. You look all dressed in white, ready to go to work. And the time has come to go to work. And so I say to you young men, Rise up and discipline yourself to take advantage of educational
5: opportunities. When he started to talk about that, that really hit me, hit my spirit. And I knew at that moment that I needed to go back to school and to get as much education as I could. And that's where my real passion for, for basketball started to, to come out of me and, and wanted to pursue sports and, and the sport that I love to support my family. And so that was on the weekend. And then on the Monday, I went straight to the colleges and started to apply and that was the start of my career journey.
6: So it was at the time when he had just finished schooling and at the time he had worked as a youth worker with foster
5: kids. After about a year and a half of that, the youth work company wanted to offer me a full time job as a manager and give me a car and significantly better wage. And at the same time, I got offered an internship at one of the, you know, the elite sporting academies in Australia.
6: At the time, obviously, it was a dream or providing, you know. And so he had come to me and we had talked about it, we had prayed about it. And yeah, it just felt right for him to go to the path and direction of the coaching, even though it was low paying, because in the end, it was him doing the job that he was passionate about.
5: Once I got into the internship, I you know, very quickly started to make work my way through and got more and more responsibility, the full-time job. You know, ultimately led to taking the Australian swim team to London Olympics and two world championships. So it was a real privilege to represent my country and to be a part of that whole process. So you follow one prompting and it changed the whole course of my life. I would have been mid-30s, got a call from the state president to come in with my wife. He called me as bishop of a newly created ward and my parents happened to be in the ward, boundaries.
6: And then halfway through his bishopric time, his dad was diagnosed with cancer?
5: My dad was not an active member of the church. During that period, he really started to think about life. What's after this, this earth life? And my dad happened to be getting chemotherapy treatment at the hospital close to the Brisbane temple. And I just felt prompted, the spiritual prompting to to stop and just say hello. And and so we did, we pulled in, we we walked in. And my dad's not a very emotional man, uh, but when we walked in, he just burst into tears.
6: Didn't really think much of it. And it wasn't until the next day that mum rang up Mike and just said, you'd never guess what dad told me dad had said that he wants to take me to the temple. And he said, really? like, really? He goes, yeah, it was because when you guys came last night, he said it was like he saw angels coming towards him. And he really felt the spirit at that time. And that was like the point where he really felt like, I need to take my family to the temple and I have to do it now. It was just a joyful occasion for all the, all the family members.
5: So kind of during that period too, I ended up getting a job with British basketball.
6: You know, Michael interviewed him for his temple recommend. So I think that was uh, something special for Michael and even for his dad.
5: And that, that ended up being the last interview I did as a bishop. And I remember when he left and I was in my office contemplating what just happened. I had a huge sense that my purpose being a bishop and being in the ward was to seal my own family, not just help the members of the ward.
6: So the call that he got to the Bucks was when he was in England.
5: They said, hey, we've heard about you. We want you to come work for us.
6: They actually said, you know, Wisconsin. And at the beginning, we're like, "West Wisconsin? So we had to kind of like look it up.
5: they like, we want you right now. So I had to go back to Australia. And I had about two weeks to pack up basically, and then get to the US.
6: That was his dream from the very beginning and to kind of feel like you've been given this opportunity, it was like opened up, you know, he was just so happy.
5: So you could see the hand of the Lord in my life, like just putting things in place and people in my life to help me had the courage to pursue my dreams.
3: He's probably the foremost expert in his profession in the world. He spent the last seven years as a strength, conditioning, rehab coach for the Milwaukee Bucks, won an NBA championship with them. He's coached on three different continents and he's done it at the highest level. The NBA is awesome, but it's so intense. The NBA and college basketball are two completely different worlds and for Wiz to uh, want to go through the interview process here at BYU was pretty startling. In the end, it just worked the way it's supposed to happen. Certainly, it happened in ways that were beyond my control. But we are super grateful for the gift that he is giving us and the NBA mentality that he is bringing to BYU basketball.
6: You know, one of the things that Coach Pope ha- highlighted was, you know, the Sundays were off. He had like evenings. He could come home for dinner and stuff like that. Like, those were things that probably a lot of people just have in their lives, where for us, it was not present all the time.
5: So someone in strength and conditioning, I get to spend more times with the players than the coaches do. So you're in the trenches with them, you're getting to know them at a
3: very deep level. In the NBA, you get to coach guys and you get to be there for guys as they go through complicated situations. But in college, you get to actually change the trajectory of young men's lives.
5: And so that really excited me about the job. To be able to merge both my spiritual life and my career together,
3: and be able to help impact young people, that was a big driver. Wiz is built to do that. Like, he cares about it. He has these guys over to his house all the time. Like, he's invested in their lives. He takes the time to sit and talk with them about things that have nothing to do with basketball or athletics.
5: I feel like I'm doing the things the Lord wants me to do. Whatever you're passionate about, you can pursue if you put the work in and you're persistent and you follow the Lord, the counsel on all things, and follow this prompting of the Spirit. That you know, good things will happen.
0: What a great story! And you—you uh, you heard uh, Coach Robinson and Coach Pope refer to um, Coach Davy as as Wiz. So the story behind that is when he was with the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo called him WizKid, and so ultimately that got shortened down to Wiz as kind of a nickname, so that's why they were they were calling him Wiz, and uh, yeah, a great story, certainly a, a very strong man of faith. I, I was joking last night with uh, with Dallin Hall on the on the Coach uh, Pope Show, and I'm like, look, you can't argue with with Coach Davey if he asks you to do something, because if you say, I don't, I don't really want to do it. Giannis, Giannis, would do it. No question. Like if Giannis, they got an NBA championship, so you
1: have no excuse for not doing what Coach Davies says. Zero excuse. And one of the things that I did love that, that Coach Pope said, right? The one unique thing about colleges is, is the ability to change the trajectory of yeah. some of these kids' lives, and 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 from the sounds of it, not a better guy to kind of be able to uh, have an influence on these, on, you know, on the basketball team or the boys' lives, and uh, and and. I mean, he he can speak from experience the yeah. hardships that he had to go through and and overcoming hardship and what it takes uh, both on and off the court.
0: Yeah, I've had a, I've had a couple of very small short conversations with him, but uh, he uh, he comes across very very well, and I know that the BYU basketball program is uh, immensely happy to uh, to have him here. All right, what storylines will you be watching in BYU men's basketball's game at Texas Tech tomorrow? We'll get to a few more of your responses right after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation.
4: Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. All right, our question
0: of the day What storylines will you be watching in BYU men's basketball's game at Texas Tech tomorrow? Uh, our lead voice of the day is presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Uh, this is coming in on Facebook from Mark Turpin it says, One storyline is all I need. Quote, BYU Wrexham with a win in Lubbock. Nicely done. All right, today's rise and shout-out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Austin, uh, who gets the rise and shout-out today?
1: The shout-out goes to the Cougars in the NFL, man. Good luck. Go get them this Sunday. Uh, put it on them. Yeah, BYU well-represented this weekend in the NFL playoffs. Our thanks to today's guest, the new tight ends coach for the Cougars, Kevin Gilbride. The conversation continues 24-7 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. This is and all our shows are on demand on BYUSN.com. For Austin, I'm Jason.
0: Shout out to Brock Zylstra. Don't miss men's and women's hoops versus Texas Tech tomorrow. The men in Lubbock, the Cougars at the Marriott Center. Go Cougs.